0: Yo, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Oakland Warriors Podcast. I'm Patrick, flying solo. So, the Warriors beat the Sacramento Kings at home 131 25 in a game that shouldn't have even been that close. Uh, clearly, this Warriors team, their second unit, needs to uh, tighten up. Uh, on the defensive end, and learn how to close out a game. The Warriors—they scored 89 points in the first half. That's an insane amount of points. The record for most points in a half ever was 90, and they could have gotten it. They could have beaten that, but they did not. And you know, this felt like one of those games. I was like, okay, things are starting to click, and. You know, the starters are going to play the third and then they're going to coast and whatever. But then, you know, Kerr started bringing in some of the young guys. And then at a certain point in the fourth quarter, he brought in all the young guys, right? For a while, it was like Clay Thompson mixed in with Moses Moody, Jordan Poole, James Wiseman, and uh, Jonathan Kaminga. Then I think at a certain point, he brought in Ryan Rollins with the lead about like 15 or so. And they just couldn't hold it. You know, they just couldn't. And then they had to bring the starters back in with about five minutes left, six minutes left or something in the fourth. And they were obviously really, really cold. Steph, who had been just hot as hell all game long, uh, was missing shots. He missed like three layups in a row and everybody else was missing. Wiggins, he was hot. And... In the fourth, he started missing stuff too, but they held on. They hit enough shots. And it's like, okay, you know, uh, this is part of all that learning experience. You want this in the third game of the season to happen now, and you want these guys to learn. The worst thing that could have happened, of course, is not necessarily a loss. The worst thing would have been if one of the vets got hurt. And I know you can't just assume or play scared and like worry that guys are going to get hurt, but it was in the back of my mind, especially since these guys are coming in cold when they have these 18, 20 point leads, you expect them to hold. There was a part of me that was like, these guys on the court right now are really young and they don't know how to close out. They don't know how to tighten up on defense when they really, really have to, to just say like, no nonsense. Let's, let's finish this off. Um, Maybe they thought they tried, but clearly it wasn't, it wasn't enough. So, you know, it is what it is. They came out with a W in this particular game. I felt like, I mean, clearly Steph, he just has his way. He's still at the peak of his powers. He can get to the basket. He can hit almost any shot Uh, his mid range. I mean, it's crazy because he is able to do so much with the fear of his shot. It's how he gets an open lane. It's how he gets to the basket, not because of blazing speed, but because people are so up on him, that little head fake, just a little like, you know, turning the hand over a little bit to make it look like you're going to shoot. And then once someone bites on that, he's gone and, you know, Steph looked uh, looked really, really good out there. He played 31 minutes, should not have played that much. He <laughs> uh, should have played closer to 25, 26, was 11 for 22, 7 for 12 from three, 4 for four from the line, five boards, two assists, plus 19, 33 points. Nice. I mean, that's good to see, you know, that's good to see that he's still clicking. I mean, at this point, Steph is just kind of a machine. You know, I would not want to be on an opposing team or – the fan of an opposing team watching Steph get hot because that's that's kind of automatic at this point. Andrew Wiggins continues to impress. I said in the last episode that he looks more comfortable. Uh he also looks just more decisive, to be honest, right? He played 32 minutes, 10 for 19, 2 for 6 from 3 only, 2 for 3 from the line, five boards, one assist, three steals, two blocks. Twenty-four points, plus fourteen. He was hunting his shot, and not in a bad way. He was just being aggressive in the first quarter, in particular, and that's really, really good to see. Because if you think about it, like uh, he and Looney on that starting unit are the youngest guys. Obviously, Looney has like kind of old man health issues, uh, which which uh, make him feel a little bit older than he is. But Wiggins is young and spry, approaching his physical prime. And to see him just, you know, drain, turn around jumpers, hit three point shots, go to the basket, all that stuff, just knowing that he can do this, like he has the green light to do it. We would always talk about on this show aggression, right? Like Andrew Wiggins, you want to see that aggression. And I feel like we've seen that so far this season and you love it, right? And I just don't know. Like for a while, we thought that maybe Angel Wiggins is what we've seen, but then we just need him to be more consistent. Question is like, can he be better? In theory, he definitely can, right? He has such physical gifts and he gets so many open shots. If he becomes even more consistent from deep, if his turnaround jumpers or his mid-range becomes even better. Then you know I think he becomes a very, very, very valuable weapon. James Wiseman, I wanted to see him play a little bit against Sabonis, and you know, he looked good. He was in for 20 minutes, five for seven from the field, four for six from the line, six boards, three assists, uh, two turnovers, fourteen points, minus ten. Obviously, he was on that second unit that coughed up a lot of the lead in the second half in particular. But what I'm looking for from Wiseman is just, again, doing the simple things, being focused, catching the ball, fighting for rebounds, uh, just not making mistakes. And, you know, there's still some, of course, but he's looking more and more comfortable. You know, a small thing, he flashes like a smile every now and then on the court. And that's something. You just didn't see much his rookie year because I feel like he had so much pressure on him and there was so much going on in his head trying to figure this stuff out, trying to figure out the Warriors offense, their defensive schemes, and just having like, you know, Draymond in his ear all the time and all that jazz. So seeing him smile is like a good thing because he's comfortable and he's having fun. And those are two things that are definitely important in being a you know successful basketball player and knowing that you're feeling better and that you're doing the right things and that you know people are noticing you know seeing him play against Rashawn Holmes who is the backup center for the Kings was cool for me to see because Rashawn Holmes is a strong guy an athletic guy. But it's just nice to have somebody that is bigger and stronger and uh, more athletic. You know, Wiseman is still learning to use his heft, just his natural size and his natural mass. You just get that momentum going, and in the right situation, just bump people out of the way. Still got pushed a little bit by by Holmes in, in the second half for some rebounds. But you know, even though Holmes had a decent line, fifteen points, six for eight. It was just nice nice to see. And there was one play in the first half where Poole and Wiseman were coming down on a 2-1 fast break. And Poole threw up a lob to Wiseman, which was off. Wiseman went up, caught the ball with one hand, came down. A handful of Kings players got around him. He protected the ball, pivoted, nice uh, soft lefty layup. And I was like, cool, cool. You know, that was, that was nice. Draymond liked it. He liked it a lot. He got up off the end of the bench and started clapping and yelling at him, you know, and I think that's really important to see. And then Wiseman also had a couple nice, you know, jumpers on a couple of pick and rolls in the lane. One from Jordan Poole, which was around the elbow, which is more just a traditional jumper. And then the next one was from Dante DiVincenzo, where he got it kind of more in the center of the lane. And just stopped and popped it over Keegan Murray and I believe Rashawn Holmes and just went in, you know, very soft touch. Wiseman's push shot, nobody can stop that. Let's be honest, like at seven foot, if he can get that up and high and quick on a jump stop, that's that's kind of unbeatable, right? Very few people in the league are going to catch up to that. That's going to be something that, again, if this is his 42nd game, in his career than in his 52nd and his 72nd game, those things are going to be much more natural and much more consistent. That muscle memory will be there. And the, the, the reps, the pictures they always talk about will be in his head. Uh, There was a defensive play on the other end where uh, I believe the Kings player got Called for a travel. I think it was Rashawn Holmes again. Uh, He had it near the elbow and he pump faked. Wiseman went up for the block. He just got up in the air and Holmes ran past him, but I called for the travel, moved his feet before he put the ball on the deck. And on the way back, the camera was on Wiseman and you could see him, like, you know, motioning to the bench that he knows, like, that was his fault. And that he should not just like go for every pump fake and get up in the air and be stranded like that. So I feel like even though he made that mistake, this is part of the learning process. You can see him analyzing and breaking down his game, but also unlike his rookie year. He doesn't seem to be getting too down on himself. He's not getting like hard on himself. He would often look his rookie year, often look kind of sad when he would make a mistake, but now he looks a lot more just, he's doing his job. He's doing the work to get to where he, where the team needs him to be and where he wants to be as a professional. So good on him. NBA fans, the wait is over. Basketball is back. So tip off the season with DraftKings Sportsbook and official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings up to 100% with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Go to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, opt-in, and place a stepped-up same-game parlay today. With payouts bigger than ever, DraftKings Sportsbook is where I go to bet on the NBA. Obviously, I ride or die with your Golden State Warriors. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with promo code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Jordan Poole shot much better in this game than he had in the first two games of the season. 27 minutes off the bench, 7 for 14, 3 for 5 from 3, 7 for 9 from the line that's uh, he's missed what, like three free throws this season already from the lead league and free throw percentage. He's got to probably clean that up, I suppose, but he had four assists, minus 18, 24 points. So he was obviously the second unit leader and the leader of the team when they blew kind of that big lead. And I feel like, again, as much as Poole's grown, this is something where he needs to improve on, right? He's, Always been on the court in important moments with vets and whatnot, people who have more experience, more knowledge, more, you know, just who are just better on the court. And when he's on the court with the young dudes, he has to command them better, guide them better, and lead them better. A few times, Poole, you know, he does his dribbling thing and then gets kind of stuck looking for a a dump-off pass, and sometimes that ends up in a turnover or just a busted play or a bad shot, desperation shot, whatever. Another thing about Poole on the second unit is that the other teams know, know him now. They look for him now. They put their best defender who's on the court on him now. So that's something that he needs to get used to as the season goes on. And you know, it is what it is like, this is just a big learning process, game to game, game to game. And these are all things that we noticed that they need to work on. And you know, that they will uh, Moses Moody got the call in the second unit over Jonathan Kaminga. Kaminga didn't get in really until the end of the third and then played on that uh, second unit in the fourth, that coughed up the lead, but Moody Played 18 minutes, only shot once, 0 for 1 from three, 3 for 4 from the line, only three points. You know, and he was fine. He was fine. Probably Kerr wants to stretch the floor a little bit more with that lineup. And we all know that Moody had projected to get more time off the bench, actually, first off the bench out of the three young lottery picks. But clearly, like he and Kaminga kind of fall into the same position. You know what I mean? So whereas Wiseman, he's the backup center. Done deal. No one is close to seven feet, seven one. And Wiseman's been doing a good job. But in terms of Moody and Kaminga, they each do different things well. Some of that overlaps. But right now, uh, Moody is the more dependable player. We saw Kaminga get more minutes in the first game. And then in the second game was Kaminga in the first half. And then Moody more in the second half. And now it's Moody. Who knows how this is going to adjust. Uh, hopefully Kaminga understands this and isn't getting discouraged and whatnot. That's part of the coach's job. That's part of like Andre Godala's job is to keep that dude's mindset right and keep him uh focused and moving forward and, and uh not distracted or not like feeling any kind of negative vibes. But you know, uh we'll see. We'll see how this all kind of pans out. I would have loved. In the fourth quarter, if this Warriors team just grabbed a hold of this game and just put it to bed, put it to rest, but uh, you know the the Kings players, technically, some of those dudes, second unit had more experience, you know, than these Warriors. So the Warriors kept letting the Kings score and. Uh, this team, this team, I'm talk about this at some point. Like they have the potential to be really strong defensively. Of course, they have a lot of guys who can play a lot of positions. A lot of guys who are athletic. A lot of guys who are just like long. Who you know, once they get everything locked in, locked down, it'll be rough for other teams. But as of now, this is part of the the learning curve and just one of those hiccups. Knock on wood. Thankfully, nothing. Uh, negative came out of this. It's just like you got the win. Everybody's still healthy. And you chalk this up as just another, I guess, learning experience. Warriors move on to play their first road game of the season in Phoenix on Tuesday. I believe the Suns, they beat the Clippers in LA today, tonight. So, you know, I'm very curious. I'm very curious to see how the Warriors look against the Suns. I'm curious to see how guys like James Wiseman play against DeAndre Ayton. I'm curious to see how good, like what the vibe is from this Suns team. After they lost game seven versus the Mavericks in the second round last season, I said on this podcast, I thought the Suns were done. I thought their window was done. I had assumed that DeAndre Ayton was going to move on. Obviously, he didn't, but I still just don't know. I don't really trust Chris Paul's health into the playoffs unless they start sitting him or really managing his minutes, which they didn't do last season. But then Chris Paul got like a month off with a hand injury before the playoffs and then fell off a cliff. So yeah, Phoenix Suns Tuesday. That is another episode of the Oakland Warriors podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to hit me up on Twitter at Patrick e. Pino saying good stuff about the show on Apple Podcasts. That would be hugely, hugely appreciated, and it would be very, very helpful. Thanks. That's it. Music in this episode provided by Paper Sun. Special thanks to Paul Amardo for production support. See you next time.